and we're live. Welcome back to the Medtocracy podcast. And this week, we're joined by Hannah Sennett, co-founder of Recommend and healthcare designer at Go In Vivo. Though still early in her medtech career, Hannah has designed healthcare experiences at IntelliJoint, SickKids, Synaptive Medical, and even tech giant Apple. Now, Hannah and her co-founder are encouraging meaningful conversation for the disabled with their new technology they label RECA. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hannah, welcome to Medtocracy. Hey, Zion. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Hannah, you describe yourself as someone who is designing healthcare experiences. Mm -hmm. Let's get into your journey into medtech and tell us about your company, Recommend. Sure. Yeah, so um, so long story if I do start at the beginning, but I guess I can say I've always kind of had this interest in science and technology ever ever since I was younger, as well as um, with healthcare. And so when I was in high school, um, I really was trying to fuel a lot of that that passion and interest with some of the courses I was taking. Um, But ultimately, I spent a lot of time volunteering um, in hospital settings. And I think that's the first time that I really gained exposure to the medical space and and how you can really make an impact on someone's life um, when you assist them um, in whatever scenario that might be. Uh, ultimately, for undergrad, I ended up deciding to go into engineering, uh, just again from that that interest in science and technology. So I attended University of Waterloo for systems design engineering, uh, which is an awesome program. Uh, it gives you a lot of really great um, exposure to work opportunities through the co-op program. And so for most of my co-op programs, I actually worked uh, in the biomed, uh, biotech kind of space. And that's where I really was able to kind of see that intersection between healthcare and technology and how I could really feel both of those, those sides and those passions that I had ever since I was younger and in high school. Um, so ultimately, that's kind of what led me um, to that field. In terms of uh, recommend and the founding story there, that was something that actually came out of uh, my experience at Waterloo. So like I mentioned, I was in the systems design engineering program. Um, Like you're probably familiar with Scion, um, most uh, engineering programs in Canada require you to do a capstone one-year project at the end of your um, degree. And this was um, what came out of our capstone project actually. So my team of, Uh, or or I was in a team with four people, um, my classmates, and we were really passionate about pursuing a project that was meeting the real needs of real people. And I think this was definitely a product of the program that we were in. Uh, Systems design really focuses on human-centered design and making sure that you're really designing something that somebody needs and and um, there, there's kind of purpose behind that. So we spent a lot of time um, shadowing actually at the beginning of our capstone project, project um, at uh, centers that provide services for people with disabilities. And that's where we kind of initially found um, this challenge or this problem in the communicative space. So we met a lot of individuals who had communicative disorders, Um, They knew exactly um, what they wanted to say, and they just were unable to get those words out. And we recognized that there were a lot of communication tools available to them. Um, You might think of speech generation devices. uh, That's uh, Stephen Hawking uh, popularly used one uh, to communicate. And so a lot of people rely on on technology and tools to to get them through and and to support them with communication. But really, we kind of found some some, um, stark limitations there. And um, ultimately, that's what... um, 
what kind of sparked us to come up with a, this idea of um, this new kind of communication tool that people can use uh, that really leverages a lot of um, the advancements in technology that we've seen over the past little bit. So um, yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's a little background on myself and recommend. That's, well, exciting um, story for sure. Great founding story. And it's not surprising to me that it came out as part of, you know, the Waterloo, the Waterloo Capstone project, because I know a lot of tech startups from that Waterloo bubble merged mm -hmm. from Capstone projects as well. But I really love that story. And I just want to tackle one of the things you said you're making, mm -hmm. you guys are creating a software communication tool that allows disabled individuals to communicate their unique experiences. Mm -hmm. What is the current climate like in this space? And what exactly is the paradigm shift that you and your team are creating with uh, Recommend? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that's an awesome question. So I guess that takes me back to what I just mentioned in terms of some of those limitations that we saw. Um, so to go, in, go into more detail, uh, essentially the, the first challenge that we saw with these devices that, that currently exist is that the rate of communication that is uh, permitted for individuals who are using them is extremely, extremely slow. Um, I, I cannot even, I guess one one experience comes to mind where we were at a home visit with uh, an occupational therapist that we were shadowing, and um, there was an individual um, who was nonverbal, and they spent 45 minutes trying to use their communication tool to tell their care caregiver that they wanted to go on a, on a picnic. Uh, literally that sentence, I want to go on a picnic, took them 45 minutes to oh. express and convey, which was, which was insane to us. Like, you know, like I mentioned, people know exactly what they They'd like to say but but they just just can't get those words out so that was kind of the first barrier or challenge that we saw that um, current solutions were not addressing and the second was that um, a lot of these tools well what they kind of look like is it's the software um, the, the software or an app where several common words are stored um, within the app and then the user can select those words to build sentences and then output output them from the device as um, synthesized speech. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, um, with that, these devices come pre-programmed with a bunch of words that that um, are supposed to fit the needs of, of many people. But like all of us know, we're all very unique uh, individuals. We have interests that are very specific to ourselves. And a lot of times that vocabulary does not reflect it whatsoever. So that, that personalization is not there. If somebody wants to personalize their, their vocabulary, then someone needs to support them in doing that. And what that kind of looks like is this time consuming process where clinicians need to kind of guess what what their client wants and then spend time manually programming that. So what we've seen in terms of the current climate and, and what's, what's going on is that ultimately clinicians want solutions that are easy for them to use. This kind of plug and play technology with this standard vocab, which is um, really understandable. Like they're, they're busy, busy people, um, but that doesn't work for a client. What a client needs is something that is going to grow with them, grow with them as they experience more things in the world and expand their vocabulary. So ultimately what we're kind of kind of battling with and what's a constant challenge is just making sure that we're balancing the needs of all these stakeholders that play an, an extremely important role um, in this space. Gotcha. That, that, that clears things up for me. And it's really interesting to hear how you and your team dialed in on those limitations of the devices currently being used and came mm -hmm. up with this tool. So can you speak a little bit more to the technology that you guys are actually developing and how does it 
uh, how does it work exactly? Uh, yeah, so the, the technology that we've come up with, it's called Reka. That's the name of our product. And it's a mobile application that runs on um, a tablet or a mobile device like a phone. And ultimately what it does is it learns and understands what's important to each and every user. And the way in which we do that is we recognize, you know, that there are people, places, activities that are extremely important um, to individuals. So by recognizing or, or sorry, leveraging um, some of the, a lot of the technology that you can, by leveraging some of the technology that's currently available on these devices, uh, we're able to learn that and make sure that in any situation that an individual might see themselves in, we can provide them with contextual personalized vocabulary that they might need. So we're providing them with these word recommendations right on the very first screen of their application so that that can help support them through that conversation. They can either look to it as a prompt if, you know, they sometimes they just need help remembering some of the words that they might need or they can also use the tool as a full speech replacement solution where they're choosing, selecting those words and having the device speak them for them. I, I'm really interested to find out what stage are you guys at with Reka and when can users expect this to be launched in market? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're currently completing our MVP or minimum viable product. And um, it's actually our second MVP because like I mentioned, this came out of our uh, capstone project. So at that point in time, we were able to come up with an initial prototype and um, test that with uh, directly with speech language pathologists and a couple of clients that we uh, that we were able to um, gain access to through our clinical connections with um, those centers that I mentioned earlier that we that we did uh, shadowing at. So through that, we kind of validated that you know this is something that people would actually use and see some benefit from. So that really uh, helped us basically for the past couple of months, heads down. Um, uh, put our heads down and be deep in um, the development of the technology. So during this whole development process, um, we've used that preliminary validation to move forward a lot of the features that we've included in the technology, but we also continued to include the, the feedback from key stakeholders uh, in the actual design process itself. So we, we definitely really recognize it, recommend that we can't design a product for people without hearing their needs and understanding how those change in real time and watching them react as we put some of um, the, those prototypes and those examples in front of them. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the, the current stage and essentially when people might expect uh, to gain public access to this, we um, officially plan to launch on the App Store. Uh, we'll initially be um, available uh, only on uh, Apple uh, devices uh, in September of this year, but wow. we would later um, expa expand that to um, other platforms as well. Um, but in terms of the stage, like I mentioned, MVP, we're holding a lot of testing um, in the next uh, couple of months with both clinicians and potential end users. So mm -hmm. if we have end users that try the tech and they love it, we're open to offering them um, earlier versions as soon as May of this year. I, I also like how through your MVPs, you guys had uh, experience working with SLPs and speech language mm -hmm. pathologists. Um, how have your SLPs and other key stakeholders been integrating recommend into their um, workflow and what mm -hmm. what um, benefits have they been seeing or communicating to your team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So a lot of our um, 
experience with speech language pathologists to this point have been really, they've been huge benefits to us in terms of a, a consulting type role where we bounce ideas back and forth. We let them know what we're thinking. They provide their insights from their real experience working with real clients and can really voice a lot of those concerns on behalf of their clients. Um, so really that helps drive uh, some of the features that we develop and it helps really drive down to some of the root causes of the challenges that um, the clients are seeing. So they've been extremely instrumental in the development of the product and um, my co-founder Abby and I are always so surprised or, or pleasantly surprised to see how willing they are to spend time on um, a new solution that they hope will um, improve that communication experience for their clients. But again, with that being said, we also really value the um, feedback, of course, from the potential end users of our technology who are the clients. So we make sure to definitely balance that feedback and make sure that we're cross-referencing and, and building technology that's going to meet the needs of both of those individuals. What are some of the examples of feedback you've gotten so far? Yeah, so... Uh, there's one speech language pathologist that comes to mind, and um, this is one contact that we have in the U.S. who currently runs a program for people with aphasia. And um, for those who don't know, aphasia is um, a communication um, disorder that may arise after stroke. And there are several different types of aphasia and, and different ways in which they might they might arise. But typically, what they look like or I can't really say what they look like because uh, it's often termed as an invisible disability. When someone has a communication disorder, you can't really see that they have it. And so it really only comes out once you start talking to that person. And that's kind of one of the challenges that that speech language pathologist brought up. They referenced um, a lot of scenarios where some of their clients uh, were in a situation, um, let's say they were at a restaurant, uh, like a fast food restaurant ordering something. And because those words didn't immediately come to mind or or because they might have had slurred speech or not have been able to coherently, not have been able to really express exactly what they wanted to, to say, then um, the cashier kind of got frazzled. Um, in one case, the cashier thought that the client was actually drunk. And so they called the cops. And this person who has a communication disability was arrested because they had no way of communicating to that person. Like, I have a communication disability. Please wait. I have a response. I have something that I'd like to say, but you need to be patient. And so what we kind of heard from that speech language pathologist is this application could really help those individuals in those key situations where it's, it's pretty contextual. You're at um, a specific restaurant or fast food food um, restaurant where um, you're ordering something and, and you might be searching for these specific words. And so if you had a, a device that could pull those up automatically for you, so you can either look to them as reference or you can click on them and say them, or you can point to your device and show them like, I use this to communicate, like, please be patient. That would help in those situations um, to avoid that, that conception that people have where if you can't immediately respond to my question, you must be stupid or you must be drunk or you must be crazy. Um, you worked at a lot of great med tech companies, as you mentioned in your introduction, and you even had a co-op at Apple as well. Mm -hmm. What are your biggest takeaways from all of these experiences that you were using at Recommend? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, that's a good question as well. And I think my short answer would be I've actually taken away a lot of like the soft skills and the more people type skills from those experiences versus some of the, the technical. And that's not a testament at all to, to not having gained technical, technical skills from some of those placements. But I really think the biggest value of having those co-op experiences early on um, in my career when I was actually a student um, was seeing that, you know, there are people out there who are willing to take a chance on you and um, open up a lot of different opportunities um, for you. And I think that's the, the biggest value um, of co-op. Uh, definitely, especially going in as a student when you don't really have a lot of experience, you'll see that there are a lot of really amazing people out there who have those experiences and are really willing to share them um, with someone who's younger in the space and, and trying to build their credibility. So what I definitely value most from those experiences are the relationships that I was able to form with other people who have those vast repositories of knowledge in this space, but also are just like really great people with lives and things outside of work that keep them going. I think that was something that was really important to see that um, work can't and shouldn't be everything um, and that we should really value people um, as, as a whole person. And so I think I, I was able to have a lot of really great mentors that, that um, instilled that balance um, throughout their, their practice. Um, it definitely also taught me a lot about teamwork and collaborating with others to, to work towards a common goal. Um, at Recommend, we're also building our team. So a lot of those practices and a lot of those insights that, that I was able to see from the great teams that I've worked on are things that we're, we've integrated as well into, into our, our company. Um, some of the best co-op experiences um, were at places that um, baked their mission and vision into uh, um, the everyday. And so that's definitely something that we're, we strive to do at Recommend. And I, I know that you guys are still a small startup. For, for someone who is passionate about encouraging meaningful conversations and shares your mission or the vision of recommend, mm -hmm. what do you recommend for them to get involved <laughs> in your company? And yeah, the pun was fully intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I love that you said that. Um, for someone who is passionate about encouraging meaningful conversation or someone who's passionate about um, our, our mission and vision, that's really something we look for. We look for passion. Um, I think that's something that also came from our co-op experiences. Like I just mentioned, there are, there are people who take chances on you, even if you don't have the technical expertise or experience and, and don't check all those boxes. Ultimately, we're really looking for someone who is gonna wake up every day and, and be excited about what we're working towards and do whatever they can to, to, to learn and, and put those um, skills in their tool belt. So we definitely prioritize that passion and interest in the space. We also look for um, general curiosity and a sense of adventure. Um, again, going to that point that creativity really comes from all aspects of life, not just your work. So we, we love to, to find and look for people who, who have that balance and that value as well. Um, something else we definitely really value is having a respectful and honest environment. Um, so we definitely appreciate and understand at Recommend that, you know, people have different opinions and perspectives. And we definitely don't think that everyone has to agree all the time, but they need to be open to having those types of uh, discussions and not be afraid to ask those tough questions and challenge the ideas of others. So that's something that, that we continue um, to do and try to instill while still um, practicing empathy for, for one another uh, with, with that understanding of everyone comes from a different background and, and has different opinions and perspectives. I know you guys have the testing coming up in April, May, and the launch, the potential launch in September. So for someone who's in school right now listening to this and like they're like, oh my God, I need to work at Recommend. 
um what's like your hiring process like where can they mm-hmm. look to get more information about openings and mm-hmm. who like should they reach out on linkedin like mm-hmm. let me know like <laughs> yeah um i love this we're we're doing recruitment <laughs> but uh yeah we uh, don't have any active or open postings right now but we're always interested to hear from people who are yeah. just passionate about joining so definitely feel free to reach out to us um we have our email posted on our website and so we'd be really happy to hear from anyone who thinks that um this that our, our mission and our vision aligns with them and we'd love to hear about what their ideal role might look like gotcha And Hannah, this has been really good. So before we wrap it up, I just want to ask you one question that's not related to anything technically (laughs) or your your passion. As you you said, you know, like your creative creativity comes from all different places and the -hmm. person who goes to work is not, that's not the whole person, right? Mm -hmm. You still have like stuff outside of work and that adds up to who you are ultimately. But Mm -hmm. if you could post anything on a billboard next to a highway, (laughs) What would you want that message to message to be and why? <laughs> oh man, um, I like this question. This is a good question. People yeah. people should think about this because I've definitely driven on highways sometimes and been like, why is that billboard there? Or mm-hmm. there could definitely be something more encouraging. Um, so yeah, I think uh, what I would post on the billboard, and, and this is a quote um, that I came across recently by James Thurber, and it is, The quote is, it is better to know some of the questions than all of the answers. And this is something that definitely really resonated with me. And I think it's also something really important to keep in mind currently right now with um, these these interesting times that we're all going through where um, we're isolated and we're alone with our thoughts. And sometimes they take us to really crazy places and it's hard to pull yourself back. Um, I think when when I think about this quote, I think about how it's really easy to feel bad about ourselves sometimes when there's so much out there that we don't know. And there's so many other people out there who seem to seem um, like they have so many things figured out or that, that they have everything figured out. And I really think that the best thing that we can do is, is ask questions to as many people as possible. And eventually we'll find the insights that resonate with us or we'll find the people who are willing to provide um, support that we might be looking for. Um, with recommend, I can guarantee that Abby, my co-founder and I, we always have a lot of questions. We do not have it figured out whatsoever. What has definitely gotten us through is that there are a lot of amazing people out there who will take the time to listen um, to the stories of the people that we're hoping to help with recommend and they're eager to play a role in that. So um, like I mentioned before, we're always so pleasantly surprised by the way in which others lend their time to support um, other greater causes and to answer some of those questions. Um, so yeah, all we can, all we can really hope is that, um, the way in which others have lifted us, uh, and answered our questions that we can return that, um, to others in the future. Make sure we're standing on the shoulders of giants as they, they mm. usually say, but uh, Hannah, this, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with Metocracy and sharing with our audience, like everything you're doing that recommend. And I just loved hearing the story of what you guys are trying to do to encourage mm-hmm. meaningful conversations for disabled persons and mm-hmm. i just want to wish you guys good luck and thank you so much for being on my top great thank you so much Zion. i really enjoyed it i hope my conversation with hannah opened your eyes to another corner of the medtech industry my favorite part of this conversation was reka the tech 
Leveraging unique habits and traits of the user to predict contextual language is really unique and expands the vocabulary access of the user. Before I end, Recommend is currently seeking individuals with speech and language disorders to try out RECA during the month of April. You can visit their website recommend.com, R-E-K-A-M-M-E-N-D.com to learn more about the opportunity. Everything will be linked in the show notes and remember to follow Metocracy on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. What happens when what if becomes what is? And as always, keep med teching. <laughs>